Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, as I, as I look over uh, my notes and everything and going through uh, this time, it's strange how, like I said a couple of weeks ago, for me, um, these are some of the most profound things that affected my life that I'm trying to uh, convey to all of you and hoping that it can help you. And uh, for some of you, you know it better than I do, but how to, how to trigger out and how to learn from life and what you go through with life experiences and we've been talking about evaluation and the role of the Holy Spirit, of how he helps us through that. And what I want to do now is give you a life experience model that I learned years ago. And uh, it has been a key in my ability to learn and grow and change. Now, when the message of grace changed, like for some of you or most of you, God blew everything up in my life, but this is one of the foundation stones that stood when he blew everything up. All the, all the past things that I was uh, sure of that he made me go, what? <laughs> and, and reinstilled and took my heart on that journey was wonderful. This has stood the test of time, and it, and it came out of uh, the learnings that I went through on helping other people learn. So Brenda and I did a, a discipleship training program that one of the things, and I don't often do this, but I'm starting to feel more comfortable with it, especially with this community. Um, but one of the promises that God gave me when, uh, when I switched careers and, uh, uh, if you will, laid down my political career and, and that profession and went into ministry, and I know that you've received promises throughout your life, so this was one of mine, that if I was willing to let go of that and let go of the influence, because uh, I had, uh, you know, and I, it's always really, it makes it difficult to talk about, because I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but I had great influence in the state of Arizona. I, I just did. God put me in a position with favor and in a world of politics, and I had immense influence and the stuff I got to do uh, literally affected millions of people uh, one of those hidden people that it wouldn't have been known and yet it's some of the deepest you know when you go through some of your life stuff and you go these are the things I really value that happened these are the things I regret well those were things I really really valued because they uh, I was able to make some meaningful differences in the life of other people. And so it was energy building, uh, did boost my ego. I don't think I was, I, I hope I wasn't arrogant. But, you know, it did instill in me, uh, and I, I was always stunned by it, always completely stunned by it. Could, uh, I was talking with a friend this past week and having coffee, you know, and we both grew up in small towns and trailer parks and I lived next to the railroad tracks and uh, I was always amazed that God took that little boy and what he was doing with him. I still wanted to help young people really badly and so one of the promises from God was if I was willing to exchange that 
and start to work with young people and help them develop, he told me he would bring me his very best. It was just a secret promise. That I, just, I really didn't talk about it in the early years, but I just held on to it in my heart. He said, I will bring you leaders. And I will bring them for you to mentor if you will do this. It was a, you know, it was a conditional promise of God. Yeah, it really was. It was, because it was a gulp. We had to take a two-thirds cut in salary and uh, uh, prestige and position. And uh, it was a gulp. It dashed my ego to pieces and kicked at me a little bit. Accept that promise. I will bring you my very best. And that happened through the years as we learned to do that. And I wanted to raise up um, a bunch of people that could affect, you know, and we use kind of grandiose word, Christian words in that time period, but to affect the nations, if you remember that kind of language. You'll go to the nations. Of the, well, I, had, I, I sensed that he wanted to do that. And so I wanted to go on the journey. How do I get leaders to lead? And what came out of it was me interacting with other people, meeting other people who were brighter and smarter than I was, and started to teach me how people learn. And then I put myself through training to learn how people learned. Um, we don't do that well in our public systems, by the way. We give them learnings, but we very seldom teach students to learn how to learn. There's a process. Uh, many adults don't know, haven't learned how to learn. And there's times in my life where I go, am I not ever going to get this? You know, you go through an experience. But I, I was given and then the tools early on through the influence of one particular man who became a friend who was, a, if you will, a leadership guru, a, a consultant uh, in America that uh, consulted everybody from the CIA to uh, top 50 business leaders in the land. And he visited, he, one, of his, one of his, his old, not his oldest child, one of his children went through master's commission, then two more went through our master's commission program. And through that influence, even after, at the end of the first year, he grabbed me and he said, I teach corporations what you're doing. And I went, what? And he kind of, I was doing things innately, like I knew this was the right thing to do. Uh, just from the Holy Spirit, it was just like, I, I didn't understand all the precepts and understanding of it. And he said, you were doing what I try to get through consulting leaders to do in our country. And I just went, are you kidding me? And so he, he started training me and he mentored me in a lot of this. And that's what you're, I'm doing a long introduction, but that's this life experience model. This is one of the tools that I learned around the journey of learning how to learn and how to help people break through and get away from blocked areas in their lives where there's blocked learning, where they keep making the same mistakes. Because if a leader can grow and develop, he can help other people to grow and develop. If you teach your children how to grow and develop, guess what they will do? They will teach others how to grow and develop because they'll, they'll embrace it. So this life model 
uh, it was huge to me. And through it, God would manifest his goodness to me in my life, and I would go, are you kidding me? And it, it, I would just see stuff, and I would, I would light up and ignite and pass it on, hopefully, to others. And, you know, we see that in God's goodness, like we said last week, in sending us his Holy Spirit, and it's for a reason. If he's our teacher, he says, there's no need for anyone else to teach you. I will teach you. The anointing I give you will teach you. If you don't ever embrace the anointing, you don't see that. If you don't ever engage Holy Spirit, that he's an incredible teacher and that he wants to take you on a journey, then that means everything that happens around you were steps ordered by God. Even the really hard stuff that we go through. Even the very difficult times. Because it's actually in the difficult times that you learn. There's an old saying that says this. Crisis reveals character. That's not true. You kick that old saying out. Crisis does not reveal character. Crisis builds character. Crisis gives you ideas when you don't understand something to either try something different or to implement in your life and go, ah, and it's so tied to who we are as believers because then God can show you how to be completely you and allow him to help you and you learn through it and your character builds because he will lead you. God will always lead you. Young people, listen to me. God will always lead you to right choices. He's the tree of life. The world system will always lead you to wrong choices even when they're right because they're from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, good and evil. They can be good, but they have other stuff attached to them. God does not mislead his people. He doesn't play tricksies. He doesn't set you up. He doesn't create bad things so you get it. But he will teach you through bad things so you get it. He will draw close, but Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God, will never, he's God. You have to think through that. He's God. He won't lead you astray. We forget to hang on to him during our worst times, and then what happens is then bad character gets shown. And so people go, well, your true character comes out in crisis. No, your ability to learn true character can happen in crisis. You embrace it and see what God's doing. Does that make sense? You better say, yeah, we're going to be here a long time today, even though I want to go out of town. We are never doomed to keep making the same mistake. That is horrible self-talk that gets inside of our minds that we play this newsreel, this blog that tells us I'm stuck and that I just keep doing the same thing and I'm never going to grow and I just keep making the same mistakes. Anybody ever heard that? One of us, two. I see some head nods, even from a counselor. Uh, Man, that is a, such a deceptive, naughty lie. 
that, that infiltrates us. And when we start agreeing with that over and over and over again, even when you're, listen, it doesn't matter if you're 10, when you start agreeing with a lie in your life about you, for some reason that starts building up layers until you believe it's so true that that becomes idiosyncratic behavior patterns in your life and you do the same stuff over. And so it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I keep doing the same stupid mistake. So guess what? You're going to keep doing the same stupid mistake because you didn't say, stop. I've had enough of this. God, get hold of me and help me through this, even if it's uncomfortable. Ah, you just entered a learning zone. And you can problem solve. So I'm going to give you a tool that was developed by a guy named Les Waller. He called it the tool in his book, and he gave me permission to use it, and he gave me permission to adapt it into discipleship, and because he used it for business leaders, I used it in the church and, and put in the godly principles that went with it, and they tied so easily together. So in this life experience model, we looked at this a few weeks ago, but the first question to ask yourself when you're all alone, are you willing? Are you really willing to go on a journey? Are you trying to keep your, you know, uh, hands on the steering wheel? I think it was Carrie Underwood who did that song years ago about Jesus take the wheel, you know, and uh, it's I don't know if it's still popular today. I liked it. Um, I like Carrie Underwood. Not a big country music fan, but I liked her. And we have a tendency to forget to tell our hearts through prayer, I'm willing, God. It's a prayer of submission. You know, it's so, it's so funny because there's a fine line. Legalism works with submission, but a teachable heart works with submission also. Really does. Legalism will start making demands on, on that. A teachable heart starts learning principles, starts learning precepts, uh, learns how to apply them in their lives. So Psalm 32, 8. Uh, the Lord says through that psalm, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Don't be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. How many of you love horse stories? No, that's it. You were a little girl growing up and you didn't love horse stories? Of course you did. Spirit, uh, Flicka, Black Beauty. Who can forget Black Beauty? You gotta, and, but listen to what God's saying here. He says, don't, don't be like them. They have to have a, Brit and a, you know, a bit and a bridle put in their mouth in order to be steered. And when it talks about I, the way, that word, the way, um, is played out throughout Old Testament, New Testament. It's all there. The ways of God, where he says, look, your way, remember in Isaiah, he says, your ways aren't my ways. 
And then he humbles himself. He says, nevertheless, come, let us reason together. And then God wants to show you his ways. In the uh, Old Testament, a lot of times those are called the ancient pathways or the ancient landmarks. And uh, where they walked along the way and they learned something from God, they would put down a memorial stone. Uh, it's sort of like if you go up in the northwest, have you ever seen those stacking stones that, that are supposed to tell the other hikers this is a safe way to go? That's what those were for back then, and they were to remind like the children of Israel what God did at a particular place in time. But when they would teach it to their children, they just didn't say, hey, those are the memorial stones. Mark them. God did something really good here. They would tell them the things that they learned from God on how to navigate life. So when it talks about the way, he wants to teach you in the way, he's, he's going, man, my ways are so much higher than yours. You know, the Proverbs says that, um, you, know, um, um, you know, a man makes a way, makes a plan in his heart, but the answer is from God. Our ways aren't exactly God. It's, it's, a, it's a key for learning and for understanding. Are you willing is what this psalm is actually saying. Are you willing without a bit and a bridle, just a nudge from me to turn to the left or the right? He's making a question there and he's saying, can you do that? Because what he wants you to do is the second part here, to learn from life experiences. The things that you cannot control. They're hard. We have stuff happen every week that we can't control. And here, here I got a clue because we say some people are and, and we're not. We're all control freaks. It just depends on what it is you're talking about. I don't care how they shoot pool. <laughs> Go down to the billiard table, shoot it however you want. I could care less. But try and instruct me on how to fish in, and it's a boneheaded idea. Suddenly you push my button. See, it all depends on what you're going through and what you really care about, the, the passions that you have. And we all tend to be control freaks. Why did you do it that way? Because my mother taught me that. We make these adamant statements and we become unwilling to learn a different way from life experience because that's the way we always did it. We call those traditions and traditions can just hamstring you like crazy from learning. Here's what's really important. It's this third life experience model concept is this. Questions. Learning how to ask questions the right question can give you the key to a vague evaluation so that you do grow in character with whatever you're going through. We often, most often, through our education systems are no longer taught how to ask questions. We don't teach ourselves how to ask questions. So when something happens in our life that we don't understand, what we go is we will say and we process it with somebody else and we'll go, I just don't get it. I don't understand what happened there. 
and then we drop it. Well, you ask two lame brain questions. Of course you don't understand what happened there, but you did pick up on, I've seen this before, but you don't want to ask yourself the next question because it's uncomfortable. And we don't know what questions to ask ourselves. I want to give you a tool that will work with that. That's actually very successful if you learn how to use it. I used to use it with journaling. How many of you journal? Oh, shame on the rest of you. No, not shame. Listen, one of the, one of the key enhancements of learning is writing it down. If you really want to memorize stuff, write it down. If you want to learn how to memorize a scripture, take that one scripture and start writing it down over and over and over again. After about the 20th time of you writing it down, longhand, guess what? You start remembering it. There's some connection between the ability in our eyes and the ability in our hands to connect and put the words on the page. We so misunderstand the importance of reading and writing. Um, of all the things that grieve my heart over somebody who enjoys learning, it's how many people don't read. If that's you, I'm sorry. I'm stepping on your toes. Well, I like to listen to it. You really need to read. There's something about that, that reading and the concept that causes things to work in our neural pathways that changes our ability to not only grasp what's being said, but to remember it. It works with memory, and there's lots of mnemonic devices that you can use with that. But, uh, I, but the other thing is this also. Lots of people do dear diary journaling. You know, uh, you, you you sing old moody blues songs, Dear Diary. You know, I went out for a walk today. Uh, instead of using journaling to really ask yourself questions and the right things, um, it changes completely when your journaling becomes a conversation between you and the Holy Spirit about you, not just about others and what they did, but about how you did it. And uh, I, you're probably not going to be able to see this. And so I'm going to have to read it to you. But this is one of my all-time favorite comic strips. It's Calvin and Hobbes, and I couldn't get it large enough in the thing so that you could read the words. So I'm going to read to you. So Calvin and Hobbes, it's wintertime. It's shortly after Christmas. New Year's is on the way. And Hobbes, who is the cat, the tiger, says to Calvin, are you making any resolutions for the new year? Calvin replies, nope. I want everything to stay the same as it was this year. Hobbes says, everything? Right, this year was lousy, but at least it's familiar. And he says, this is a circle where he's pointing, he says, I hate change, it's too disruptive. When things are different, you have to think about the change and deal with it. I like things to stay the same so I can take everything for granted. <laughs> Next scenes. Besides, things keep changing for the worse. 
The longer I live, the more complicated everything gets. I say, let's stop here before life gets any harder. From now on, Calvin says, no more change. There's uh, two pains of boredom. And in the final pain, it says this. They start running. I'm bored, says Calvin. Let's do something different. Hobbes says, some things never change. Unfortunately, that is the process by which most of us go through learning. We make these adamant statements, and we can laugh at them when it's a silly cartoon strip, but when it's us going through a fight with the same person that we've committed to love our whole life, it seems, if nothing else, completely awkward and defeating. And so we start approaching how we go through life from a defeatist way. and We become negative, critical, cynical, uh, hard, dismissive, disgruntled, disappointed, disillusioned, hopeless with life. I'll never get out of this. This is going to haunt me all the days of my life. And it, and it affects our self-talk so that the things that we're saying are not in agreement with what God says about us. Getting into agreement with what God said, it, for me, was a self-awareness issue. Well, you're talking about being self-aware. No, it was this. My self is knit to God, who is very aware. And so there's a process that you can go through in understanding that awareness if you can learn to, one, I, so... Do you still journal? I don't journal as much as I used to. I should. I'm shooting myself this morning. But I still use this tool because I became so familiar with it. Um, so when I have gone through stuff, I just, I just automatically go to this five or six step process and start asking myself the questions. I'm going to give it to you slowly so that you can write it down. So here's the first thing that happens. Something ugly happens. Something disconcerting in your life happens. It's not always clear. It's, uh, uh, something's happening here. It isn't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there telling me I got to beware. Sound like today's times? Something occurs, by the way, it's a wonderful old rock and roll song by a group called the Buffalo Springfield that birthed lots of other good groups that you, you would know of. Self-awareness is not the same, same thing as being self-absorbed. We're not talking about narcissism or somebody's got too big an ego. Self-awareness is a key to learning. Self-awareness looks like this. Uh, in my life, there's an issue that has just arisen. Um, 
for those who are, they, they would, uh, it's used a lot today, I don't know how much I agree with it, but about intuitive thinkers being empaths and stuff, and I know that comes out of a whole block of, of psychological uh, explanation and understanding on how we are. It comes with people who feel things really much, but that can actually get in the way of self-awareness at times. Because your feelings override what you're going through and you're not really self-aware. Self-aware is to go, it's, uh, we used to have this with, uh, when I did uh, dog training, when I was a police officer in the Air Force and I handled a, a working dog. And they taught us that we had to uh, find the, yeah, they, they used the initials of it, an acronym. JND, Sarge, JND, when I was watching my dog. It was really important because, especially when I moved from drug detection to explosives detection, JND stood for just noticeable difference. I learned to watch my dog so careful would look at his behavior because with explosives, you can't have a dog go in with, with, with drug detection. It was all a big game and we played with a little ball. The reward for the dog for finding the drugs was, had a boy and you roughed him up and played with him. You don't want to do that with explosives too much. So a way for the dog to learn to, when they smelled the explosives and detected it, they were supposed to go to a sit position and almost like a hunting dog point with their nose. Not go scratch at it. Drugs, we wanted them to dig it out. Get him, get him, get him, get him. Made a game out of it. You don't want to do that with explosives. Funny thing, they blow up. And so this just noticeable difference was huge of me looking at the dog. And then as I was going through this teaching understanding, the Holy Spirit says, that's what I want you to see about life. That you become sensitive, just noticeable difference. Um, I became a student of others' behaviors. Do you want to do that? How much do you want to learn and grow? Most people don't ever look at anybody else unless they want to be critical of them. I learned to watch people and look for a just noticeable difference. An eyebrow going up. A finger drumming on the table. A change in how they were sitting, showing uncomfortableness. A change in their voice pattern. Well, that just sounds like too much work to me. And actually, if you, when you start using it, it's not. Uh, many of you have it, and then you just say, well, God gave me discernment that something's wrong. But you never went through the process of going, I'm, I'm becoming self-aware. I'm, I'm aware of what's going on here. With that... Let's take an awareness issue. I say something to Brenda like, uh, I'll use Brenda as an example so I don't offend anybody else because I don't offend her ever. <laughs> Not true. And you say something like, uh, oh, wow, that, uh, that meal doesn't taste like it used to. You didn't like it? I didn't say that. I just said it didn't taste like it used to. That is a time to understand that you're going through a just noticeable difference. <laughs> An issue has arisen. 
you were making an observation, I was making an observation, she was hearing a value statement. That's called being self-aware. I didn't mean anything by it, but the way I said it. Did you notice the way, what I said? The way I said it, not the way she heard it. The way I said it communicated something different than what I was really trying to communicate. So uh, out of that, in that self-awareness time, you have to realize <laughs> it's, it's so key. Consequences will occur. I have just hurt feelings over an observation, not a value statement. But it became a value statement over the way I did it. Does that connect? So, now I have to go to a next decision in self-awareness. And that's ownership of the issue. So ownership of the issue, my self-talk says this. She's just being way oversensitive. Why didn't she get over it? Who has to own the situation? Her. The other way to do that in ownership is to go, huh, that might have come out wrong. I really didn't mean it. Often what I think is, don't dig this hole any deeper. <laughs> My gosh, back out. Own it. That's through years of going through this. Do you ever say stuff and what you said does, isn't portraying what you meant? Oh my gosh, you know. It's like, you want to grab the words as they're coming out of your mouth. You see them go out. You watch them have an effect on the other person. You're going, inside you're going, no! I was having such a good conversation. The other person goes, they're shooting their mouth off again. That dance, you can, you can really learn from if you do something. It can happen in a nanosecond. Seek help from God right away. Own the issue. Don't, don't, don't put the issue anyplace else. Self-awareness says, I, it says this. Even if you didn't communicate it wrong, you might have. It's willing to own it and go... I might not have said that right. Um, the other thing to realize is this, is when something like that happens and understanding that consequences will occur, you have just now entered God's school of development. <laughs> Over something about food? Yes. He is there to teach. Remember the Holy Spirit, the helper, wants to teach you. He wants you to learn. He wants you to, he wants you to get it. Uh, you've entered the learning zone, and for real good learners, the ones from Psalm 32, 8, 9, let me lead you with my eye. Um, when you start practicing this and start seeking help from God, you can understand and move into immediate reflective thinking. Immediate. It can happen in nanoseconds. Because then you can own the way you communicate. Say, hey, that came out wrong. Hey, that, I, can, I can tell that hurt your feelings. And I don't want it to, and I want it to stop. That was, that was me, and I didn't communicate it well. That can 
that can change anything. What good does that do? You're just laying down for everybody and you're not sticking up for yourself. Let the Holy Spirit stick up for you. You might not have been wrong. Let him stick up for you. When you do, it's funny, if you'll let God have, we use this word, if you'll let God have control, he will. If you don't let have God have control, he will. Either way, he will. He will get his point across to you because he's so committed to the goodness in your life and your heart. He's so committed to see you grow and develop as a person that he, he will interject those things. This, is, uh, this might take us a little bit. Um, i got to decide where I want to... Let's not even go beyond this point, but let me make two more points about it. Some of you are saying to yourself right now, that's a lot of work. How do you like the way it's working now? That's what I had. When I started going through this, um, I still have idiosyncratic behaviors in my life. Things that happen in a nat I didn't know. It's, we call that automatic pilot. Do you have that? Yes, you do. Each one of you have it. How you respond to a stimulus gets, gets ingrained the minute Aunt Ethel says that stuff. How long's that mayonnaise been in the refrigerator? And you're like, she's always critical of me. Well, she was making an observation and you were making it a value statement. These things have a way of following us and staying with us. And the word of God actually is a complete help in here. There's two passages of scripture. One found in James chapter 1. And it's verses 2 through 4. And that's uh, where he says this. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you enter into various trials. Okay, another way he could have said that is. And he could have used the weird music to go with it. You have now entered God's learning zone. Because it's a little bit scary. But you're to consider it joy. You're to actually embrace it. And you can do so well. You can learn so much. You can grow so much. But it's slow, and sometimes it feels really hard. Change is slow. Change is hard. But this is what I know, and this is what I know deeply about the message of grace. When you cooperate with God's grace, change is not only completely possible, but is refreshing and good and so easy to embrace. So this week, just start thinking about one thing that you would like to do differently in your life. Not seven, not 12, not reading Jordan, what's his name, P Peters, and figuring out the 12 rules that I got to figure out for life. I went, oh my gosh, that's too hard. I tried to read that book, and I'm like pretty intellectual, and I'm just going, oh, I don't know if I can remember half of that. This is easy. 
when things happen, you just start embracing what God wants to do. Don't shut down. If, you, if you're a shutdown, there's two ways of approaching it. Stick your jaw out and run into it and knock it over. Or give up and let it run over you again. Neither way is good. Instead, it's trying to embrace God who wants to teach you. Look, you can, you can do this. You work on three hard things in a year, it's overwhelming. It's a step-by-step process. Take one, take one really that's, that's an issue for you. This is an issue in my life. Some of us say it's an issue in my family because we like to cast off the responsibility of it. Share it, yes. And sometimes it is. That's, sometimes that's the reality. But if you can embrace it and start to look at, hey, I'd really like to, and you start journaling about it, you name it, and you say, God, in your journal, I would really like some insight on why I, and you start doing it. Now you're starting to ask yourself a question that's going to lead to the rest of the circle that we're going to keep working on. I hope this, I'll show you the circle at the end so that you can see the connection. And I'm not trying to give you the seven steps to healthy, holy life. Uh, I don't do that, but I do know this works. How do you know it works? Because I'm a different man than I was at 22. And I'm a different man than I was at 32 and 42 and 52 and 62. And in two more years, I'm going to be a different man again. So growing. I don't ever want to stop learning. I want to know. We sing the songs. Oh, God, I want to know more about you. He's going, oh, okay. God, how come this happened again? And we move into that. Oh, we can learn. So I want to pray for your learning. I want you just to start thinking over this week. What's an area? And don't go start. Don't do the, I'm going to talk to somebody else so that they tell me what the area is. Nope. This is you and the Lord, you and the, remember, he's your teacher, you and the Holy Spirit, because I trust Holy Spirit to touch that one thing he wants to get into your life that you can grow. He's a master at it. He loved discipleship. Do you remember that? Jesus, he really liked it. It was his idea. So Lord, I pray for us right now, for our self-awareness issues. Lord, it's easy for us to be self-absorbed. It's hard for us to be self-aware. You want to help us grow. So we yield our hearts in submission to you right now. Just, just bring a hint into that area. Holy Spirit, help us. Lead us and guide us in the way. Oh God, of all the things we want to know, it's your ways. We've seen the ways of man. It doesn't look very good. We want to know the ways of God. They look refreshing. So open up the eyes of our understanding. Reveal them to our heart. Bring the revelation of the knowledge of Jesus and the gospel. Of how he sees us and feels about us. Bring that into our understanding. Even this week. Even as we begin the exploration and the learning process. So help us, God. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you.
Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you guys.